Hi, it's Eric here with the AdCast. Before you listen to episode two, make sure you go back and listen to episode one of my interview with Mr. Chad Israel, the former communications director for the presidential candidate, Tom Steyer. This is the AdCast. You're listening to the AdCast. This is the this, this is the AdCast. All right, guys, it's Eric here with the AdCast. Three things that you need anytime you're doing a campaign. Budget, media, and message. It's very, 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 very important. You're listening to the AdCast. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode two of the AdCast. I am here with the world-famous Chad Israel. Uh, you know, what an interesting career, Chad, an interesting career. Starting out in the early 90s working in the dot-coms, uh, doing some work for Alicia Keys when no one knew exactly who she was, being on the early team to kind of help her to become a big artist, uh, working in the early stages of social media and the MySpace page. There's some folks who probably won't even know what it's like to have a MySpace page, you know, uh, that are probably hearing this. Um, and we, we talked about strategy, but I, I want you to kind of tell folks exactly who you are uh, and what you've done. So give them give them your own bio, if you will, for me, Chad. A quick 50,000 elevator sort of uh, pitch. Um, started in social media uh, when it began. And it was happenstance. Needed to uh, cast a reality TV show. And MySpace was a platform at the time that provided a, a, a more economically viable way to do it than hiring a traditional casting agency. Worked uh, with tremendous success because that started to spiral and snowball uh, my career in social media. Again, it really started back in 2003. Uh, Landed with a couple of big agencies, working with major clients like uh, Chick-fil-A, Microsoft, Toyota, Lexus. From a strategy foundational uh, standpoint, just helping them understand social media. Uh, create their you know, initial channels, build those uh, you know early audiences. Um, again, sort of uh, you know, another piece. I, every time we talk, I'll, I'll have a couple other jewels for you. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> very familiar with the bot world uh, because that's how initially we grew social media. Because um, again, going back into just the regulations and guidelines at the time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, MySpace required you and YouTube required you to be a real person. Um, but there was no way to check and make sure that this Google account or Yahoo account or Hotmail account, you just named the email address then we could create, Yeah, you were recognized as a real person on these platforms. Um, so back then, brands used to get flagged for spamming their message a lot. Wow. So, so much so you couldn't put out a brand video without getting a couple flags and then your account would get suspended, even on Twitter. So what we had to do is create friendly profiles to push brand messages and then when it would be pushed from a person there was no way for someone to flag it because it was peer-to-peer versus brand peer so it was a way that we were able to kind of work around the regulations on these platforms they knew it was happening Uh, again when you see a spike of ten thousand new profiles coming from one ip address it doesn't take a genius to know what's going on um, we created over 30,000 fake profiles in two years, um, wow. and that's what the team was tasked to do. Um, the major brands utilized those profiles. We would build them at their request uh, because some brands with conservative message wanted to control what people and their advocates were saying about them on social media. 
And it got, again, uh, full disclosure, it got Chick-fil-A in trouble back in 2012, 2013, and they have a little LGBTQ controversy. Um, and they started to use those fake profiles to defend the brand. And there was an investigative journalist who just scratched the surface. Get out and of town. I'm in L.A. and I'm, I'm seeing Malcolm, my, the, the guy I created, like just squeaky clean. Anyone's going to take him to anything. Wow. Uh, dude never did. But he wasn't real. But he was the main advocate defending them in a moment of crisis. Um, so, again, from that standpoint, being able to take a lot of notes from uh, you know, just seeing, again, some of the some of the things I might have had a part in creating the mess uh, when it comes to social. Um, and, and now how do we get ourselves out of it? And that's where, again, I, I find myself today you know, still working with some brands, uh, working on political campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, I just uh, like to lend my, my strategy brain out uh, for those who need in the tail end of episode one, we were talking about different campaigns and, and kind of how we were impressed with uh, the other campaigns. And I was at an event in Las Vegas, and one of the guys that I heard speak was uh, Trump's digital director, someone who would be like your counterpart. Uh, his name was Brad Parscale. And I, I we got to ask questions, and we would ask him, like, hey, what is your favorite medium and why? He said Facebook. He said at some point, uh, I think Hillary Clinton was running 66,000 Facebook ads when she ran, uh, and they ran 6.7 million ads when they ran. And they, they believed in the power of, of Facebook. And, and what I know now, and I, I came from a radio and a television world, but then like you, you see the power of the social media where you get on and you tell it what books you read, what you like, how you like things, and you're almost self-reporting yourself, and you're making it easier for people to target you right? And whereas like Google's looking at your search history or your intent to be able to serve you an ad. So if I look at the two and I say like, okay, what's more powerful? Because I'm not going to spend 45 minutes on search, but I'll spend 40 minutes and bite-sized pieces on social media. Do you, you know what I mean? So let's talk about like how powerful social media is and how it can influence people and giving your message and also kind of help change change people's thoughts in their minds uh, is it powerful so uh, you've got a lot of things to unpack on that it's a great question with a lot of different layers to it and i think one way to to kind of take a look at it um from a standpoint of understanding how these algorithms are 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 trying to work um, and then also understanding if you there was a movie a couple years ago about Alan Turing, the Turing machine that uh, you know, was able to help uh, win the war against the Nazis because it was the first computer that was created mm-hmm. uh, that broke uh, the German code. And the interesting thing about that computer, it, it, it could do a lot. But until you actually fed it information and told it what to start to look for and told it what to build, didn't know what to do. Wow. Facebook, Google works the same way. Um, again, I'm going to give you inside the beast. Um, so, you know, when I was at a large corporation, Facebook came, um, and we were about to do a major ad buy. Um, the major ad buy was happening essentially because we had a, a board member from Facebook that was on the company and kept on putting pressure on the CEO because we weren't investing money in, 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 in Facebook ads. Um, the moment that that got turned on, you know, we had uh, thir- $3 million to test. Uh, Facebook uh, started working directly with their 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 paid team. 
the one thing that they wanted to get, and the company I was with at the time had a valuable uh, amount of user information and user data from the travel industry. Facebook, I just didn't understand why they wanted that data so much, um, why they needed that. And again, they don't have everything. So take that into consideration and let that sit in. They've still got gaps when it comes to their algorithm. So they're trying to predict buyer intent. Um, so just as a you know, way to think about this, um, again, coming from the car rental industry, this was an example that we had. Mm-hmm. When someone through Facebook would you know, either search for an airline or hotel, you know, maybe even book one of those two, you know, we would then get a notification, this user has a high buyer intent that they're probably going to need to rent a car. So then that went into an algorithm that activated our paid that then could serve an ad to those folks because we're guessing if you booked a hotel and you booked a flight, you're probably going to need to rent a car. It's pretty simple. But again, that user data, for them to understand buyer behavior, they really need to track everything. So in order to track everything, they need your IP address. They need your user ID. So once data gets transferred, and again, private data from a corporation then being given to a company like Facebook, you know, they're sitting there, they're going to help you with your issue. Yeah. But now they're going to use that data to go to Delta to sell them or go to Marriott to sell them. So they use that data to their benefit. So in this world, of, to your example, when Hillary's team thought they were doing a great job with their you know, 16,000 ads. Um, 66,000. 66,000. So I remember that moment, that time when the campaigns were having those discussions with Facebook. There was an article that I I read that they offered to Trump. We'll let our team come in um, and integrate with your marketing team and we'll, we'll uplift your campaign. Hillary's campaign said, no, thanks. We can handle it all. And Trump's campaign with Brett said, we don't know what we're doing, we'll, we'll take all the help we can get. So at that point, they just turned everything over to Facebook and let Facebook then do what best practices told them to do. Wow. And that's to your point, those volumes of numbers. Um, and again, it's like that Labrador just rubbing over to give you the belly. Um, Facebook, because that information and that user data was so valuable to them, they were able to give the Trump campaign tremendous discounts when it came to that ad revenue uh, or to the, to the cost of, uh, of those ads. So again, there was a almost, let's just call it the quid pro quo when it came to that exchange of data and information. And again, that data and information is going to feed, again, those companies like Cambridge Analytica. So let's take a little you know, step back to understand what Cambridge Analytica was. Mm-hmm. And it's a data company a data company that was powering its information from another company called Crimson Hexagon. Crimson Hexagon was a social media analytic tool, one of the most powerful, because they had firehose access to Twitter and Facebook and uh, you know some of the other relevant social media platforms. So all these tools have to pay Facebook and Twitter for their data. Uh, you pay a monthly fee to get that information. And based on that check that you cut to them and that's where these platforms really make a lot of their money mm-hmm. um you know having their act their data fully accessed and open to these uh you know uh, sort of uh dashboard or analytic companies if you will so they are able to then take this information parse it utilize it in a lot of different ways that then go outside of the terms and rules regulations of those platforms Got it. And taking that data here 
put in over here. Well, while it's over here, you don't have to play by these Facebook rules. Because you're in another platform. You're operating somewhere else. Exactly. You're operating somewhere else. Um, and that's where, again, the Cambridge Analytica group were tapped into Crimson Hexagon and then just accessing this data in real time. And what you see are all these bubbles. You see crisis management, you see arguments, you see discourse, and you start to see what discourse is creating the most attraction or attention. Oh, well, then this is also tied to, you know, again, the tool itself, the listening tool, is tied to the teams that are in St. Petersburg and wherever else, uh, you know, the Russian agents had, had their, their teams situated. So you're leveraging this data that's happening in the uni United States in real time so they can either add more Discord. Discord, keep that conversation going that, again, is, is totally separate from the real thing that, you know, it's like it's smoke and mirrors. You just like, you know, magic almost just keep your attention here. So you're not paying attention to what this hand's doing over here. Right. And it was brilliant, beautiful mastery. Um, and they they leveraged the platforms in, in a completely legal way. Because uh, they're, you know, the, they created these laws and these rules to try and circumvent it uh, afterwards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's still happening right now uh, as we speak. You know, Cambridge Analytica was consumed by another company called Brandwatch. Uh, not Cambridge Analytica, but uh, uh, Crimson Hexagon. Sorry, was was consumed. Yeah, you know, not really broken apart or splintered. Just now, its data and its capabilities are within another tool. Um, there was consolidation within that space, but there's still some main players in. Um, you know, the Cambridge Analytica data and those 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 elements were also uh, in a lot of different other social analytic tools as well. So it wasn't just that one that the, the campaign was using. They opened it up. It was a patchwork. And again, and to their credit, uh, it worked. Wow. It, it's, it's so interesting to hear that. I mean, do you think uh, do you feel right now like uh, television is going to lose the revenue to social media. I mean, we're in an age now where digital has already surpassed television and, and it's, it's not going away at all. Um, do you think now we're in that day and age where social media or new media is going to just minimize television spend, especially when it comes to political? It's a probably not until we see the generation that still has a big uh, pocketbook shift their attention and their focus from that medium. Good point. Good point. There's a lot of consumers that are, you know, again, uh, older than us. We can tell you who this person is. You know, a TV commercial can't right. show you who actually saw it. Um, we can track buyer purchase from this ad all the way through a sales funnel. Then digital can't necessarily do that in TV. But when I was at Hertz, um, yeah, we were dormant from uh, TV for quite some time. Uh, they literally had an OJ effect. So if you ever want to go into that in another segment, love to open up that one where, again, the, the wow. one person that had the large equity, uh, they just had to run away from at, at every chance possible. And they could never escape them. Um, but that's why they stayed out of TV for so long, um, because just that trust and going back into it with you know, a campaign that could you know, rival what they had before. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we, we, we did a Marvel commercial. We did a partnership with Marvel. Um, and again, commercial launched. Uh, and then two weeks after that commercial launch, there was another $10 million that just appeared in, in revenue, magically. So yeah, one of the VPs is making the analytics team work over the weekend mm -hmm. to try and justify where this $10 million came. 
And literally, I'm sitting in his uh, his living room on on a weekend with our kids playing. I'm like, dude, why are you making them work over? It's TV, stupid. Like, literally, you did a TV ad two weeks ago, and now there's two mil- $10 million that you can't account. That's the magic of TV. So I could still see wow. the powerful effect that that medium brings. Um, and again, digital's dollars out, dollars back in. It's pure ROAS. Um, the moment you cut off that digital spin is the moment you cut off that revenue that it brings. TV has a lift. You know, again, you see these calculations, you see like top funnel marketing and more things that you put into that top funnel that aren't brand activation sort of messages or sale discount, more of that middle to bottom funnel. Just just put good stuff about your brand out into the universe. You know, just guide and drive that message and try to put as much in that top because that will eventually trickle down to to a conversion. A lot of brands do the conversation we were having earlier. They're in a vice grip when it comes to returns. So sometimes, and again, we even have Google reps when it comes to top funnel marketing, you might not see your mm-hmm. return on for another five years. Um, how many CEOs or how many CMOs are willing to like stake you know, an, a significant investment today on something that's not necessarily going to return in five years? They have a two and a half year tenure. You know, mm-hmm. They're not going to eat their own breakfast. So again, you don't have a lot of long-term vision and that's where i see social media sort of uh taking a back seat because it's tough necessarily outside of a transaction uh to get an immediate return you know that that that, that social post or again you might have the same thing as i do when i have a positive experience with the brand maui jim great example got a pair of glasses with them had them for six years they broke sent them off i thought like they would be done they sent me back brand new pair of glasses and it took six months for me to write a positive review it took the birth of my kid and me sitting there with nothing to do like you know what i need to write a positive review well if i'm standing in a line at american airlines and i'm like two hours late i'm on twitter right then so that that moment and that rush to social media is usually a moment of urgency you know, that's where we get a lot of negative. And so there's a lot of emphasis on how do we like convert that negative into neutral because you can't send uh, you can you can't send a survey, you can't send a marketing message to a customer that's irate with your brand. They're red when it comes to your brand. Yeah. They need to be at least yellow or green to receive what it is you want to say. So that's again one of the things I started to see when it came to sentiment and how social media really can make a big impact on perception. Whether we take care of the problem and resolve the issue or not, that's mm-hmm. another situation. But a lot of times people just want to be heard and they want to have an acknowledgement that their situation is being looked oh, at. Oh man, uh, trust me, I, I I totally get it. I get clients, you know, or even in the retail field when they have a negative review on Facebook, you'll get the CEO's attention or the president or general manager, whoever's in the building, you get their attention pretty quick when they have some negative reviews reviews out there about their businesses. And sometimes the people just want to be heard and that's it. And that's where, again, it goes back to how I can see social media as a more powerful medium because it allows for that type of correspondence between a brand and a consumer where you don't get that ability on on traditional on an ad or again i I still see the need for both because we all like to be entertained Uh, um that's what these it's an 
infotainment. You're, you're creating information in an entertaining way that people can consume. Yeah. But still, it's got to be entertaining uh, or they're just going to drown out. And there's there's that balance. Uh, take a look at Geico. I mean, Geico does it. They, they entertain you. They're not talking about a $50,000 uh, bodily injury or anything else. They're talking about, you know, the woodchucks chucking wood. And at the end, they sell their message. You know what I mean? Episode or the next Pinocchio. Like, exactly. By these. And I haven't gone to the Geico site to, to, to rate or, you know, vote for my favorite one. But again, that's okay. I, I haven't bought a Geico product or haven't. But that's okay. They're you on know, your list. To, yes, they're on the list. If I ever need to shop, and there's yeah, there, there's that's long term. Again, you've got someone like you know uh, Warren Buffett, who I think under understands that long term equation better than anyone, mm-hmm. um, and stays in businesses probably longer than a lot of investors because he sees that there's 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 something in it. Um, there's more of a value than just you know again looking at the the quarterly sort of earnings report. Man. So let's this. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to do what I call the lightning round. I'm going to ask you about certain medias. You're just going to spit them off for me. Is that fair? All right. We're going to go to a break. This is the AdCast. When all eyes are on you, make it count. From audio and video to graphic design and more, Craft Creative can do it all. We don't make commercials, we craft creative. See what we can do for you at wecraftcreative.com. All right, I want to welcome you back to the AdCast. I am here with Mr. Chad Israel. Chad, we're blowing it up today, man. I think I think there's some folks that are getting some value out of this podcast today. What do you think? Let's keep it going. Let's so. keep it going. So now I want to ask you about um, what would you do? It's almost like a, I want to give you a lightning round. And in this lightning round, I want to ask you about certain mediums. I want you to kind of tell me uh, what you think about those mediums. Just be concise, as concise as you can. And then kind of tell me why. All right? So the first medium I want to ask you about, you can tell me about this one, is radio. Radio is a great place to get information. It's tough to, uh, to still recall um, advertisements. Um, about the only one, uh, Bombas and uh, Bowling Branch Sheets. I would say those are still items that are on my list. Again, to that point of Geico, whenever I need to buy a, you know, my next pair of socks, and I'm not just at you know Costco, um, Bombas is on my list. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Bowling Branch when it comes to sheets, but my wife won't let me spend that much on sheets. So, yeah. But it was radio, that consistency, um, the repetitiveness, and then also they were everywhere. I'm serious XM guy, so – when it comes to radio and traditional sort of marketing, you know, during drive times, I'm probably not one to, to give you a good uh, estimate on that because I've been unplugged uh, for quite some time. But what I also enjoy is when that ad follows me. So it, it, it's going back to that 360 surround. But if you're a savvy marketer, mm-hmm. again, you've, you've got that ad placed on, on radio. Or again, serious uh, during a unique time, lunch, let's just say, and I'm back at my desk an hour after that. And then you're hitting me with digital ads. You're hitting me with digital content while I'm at that 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 place. I see it as a very great uh, piece of an overall marketing plan. Newspaper. Newspaper. Um Great when it comes to source um, and, again, providing like uh, 
most liable, if you will, more um, dive in deeper to a story. But the challenge is, you know, time. We don't always, even though we might want to get a more robust sort of perspective, we don't necessarily have time to read it and absorb it. Um, so the other piece with newspapers, uh, I feel like they're really missing out when it comes to bringing technology to their platforms, mm-hmm. you know, really bringing, you know, augmented reality and different digital aspects to take that that sort of, you know, that that little sheet of paper and bring that to life and bridge it uh, in digital, I think there's a big miss uh, that, that that publishers are doing there. Okay. Uh, billboard advertising. Love it. Love it. Um, and again, I still think there's a disconnect. Um, but if, I've seen some brands that are able to tie their radio spot with a billboard, knowing, again, more L.A. Uh, and New York's good at this, or metropolitan areas where they know they've got a captured audience. Mm-hmm. And again, those drive times, certain ways to activate, again, a, a message that's uh, coming through different devices. Okay. Direct, direct mail. mail. Would never invest a dime in direct mail there are some local local and municipal uh politicians they swear by direct mail i've got i i i also work with some realtors here in naples um some of them swear by the direct mail as well but again i'll open up uh i love to look at open rates i love to look at you know some of those those numbers and again anytime you start to see still a point oh or a point .00 with the actual number followed by that. I'm like, why are you wasting your time? Yeah. You know, you spent $700 on doing a drop. You don't know if anyone's ever going to even see this, let alone activate on it. Less, less than, than 1%. 1%. Much yes, less yeah. than that. And again, you just look at what you can do on Google or, you know, again, uh, some Facebook ads. Uh, you're probably going to be, you know, again, for smaller marketing spends, much better served in a hyper-local market um, going with something like that as opposed to direct mail google advertising again it's the bread and butter um and it again keep in mind it's only 40 percent of all the search traffic that's out there so yeah a lot of marketers think just by putting google into the box they're going to drive everything you're missing out on another 60 percent of consumers that aren't using google Mm -hmm. um again understanding how look at the google universe um i think YouTube is a highly underutilized platform when it comes to Google, when it comes to search. Video search is one of the the fastest rising categories within search. And then voice search. So it's maybe taking a look at the other Mm -hmm. aspects of what Google can Mm -hmm. bring um, and and going beyond just, uh, again, traditional, uh, you know, desktop uh, Google advertising. OTT. Sometimes uh, I like to say there are mediums where rubber meets the road. Um, and not, let me get back to you. Uh, not, okay. not necessarily huge, um, huge on that sort of, uh, uh, Bro- prospect, yeah. broadcast television, Super Bowl. I would, I would do the Super Bowl. Um, you know, outside of that, uh, it, it's tough, um, unless you're just going to be very repetitive. Um, but, uh, and not just the Super Bowl ad. Uh, follow what Budweiser does. Um, how they integrate uh, multiple brands every year. They've sort of taken it to another level. Great example of how they introduced Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. That Game of Thrones spot launched the Bud Night. Uh, so again, uh, very creative at how they bring some of those uh, those moments to life. Um, and again, just this year, how they integrated with 
with PNG and Tide. Uh, two brands oh, you would yeah, not totally in anything to relevancy together. Uh, but it's just that type of thinking um, that they utilize that 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 highly impressionable spot to their benefit. Um, and again, I'm a big 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 proponent for if you're going to drop money, go big or go home. Um, and the Super Bowl just just drives your entire marketing capabilities for the rest of the year. Social media. Well, We're drinking the Kool-Aid, <laughs> speaking to the choir. Um, again, it is a uh, it's an interesting place to try and show ROI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of different ways to to peel back that ROI. And I think what social media is great at is bringing what happens in the real world to life. So I'm not sure if you're going to ask this one. I might be jumping ahead of myself. But if I had to pick my my favorite um, you know, marketing vehicle, it's going to be experiential. And I think brand experience, and again, regardless whether it's digital, whether it's real world, whether it's, again, just peer-to-peer, dark social even, taking place within like text messaging mm-hmm. and those platforms amongst friends. Experience is everything. Um, and again, some brands that execute great experience creates word of mouth. That word of mouth is only amplified uh, exponentially through social and social then provides that that lightning in the bottle effect, if you will. That's tougher to get with any other channel or any other medium. Um, we used to try and do this a lot. Um, and again, a goal used to be to what can we do in social to get ourselves on either, you know, uh, again, Google Trends for the day. Mm-hmm. Back then, Charles Gibson on ABC used to do the, the top trend for the day. Our goal was to get on national broadcast, to get on the Jay Leno show or get on like, you know, break that digital to real, like mm-hmm. not just broadcast, but to be organic, uh, to, to really tap into earned media. Um, and that's where we find you know, influencer marketing sitting. That's where we see a lot mm-hmm. of user-generated content, how you can utilize that. Um, and then the other piece that social hasn't done yet that I think uh, within the next few years is really going to open up is how do we start to enable blockchain um, and enable the ability to, to have digital commerce through social media activity. There's one thing I was working on at Hertz because I would have loved to have an ability for someone who, hey, I had a great experience in my car rental today. I would have loved to have a way to pay them 10 bucks. Uh, because that was more valuable than an ad I could buy. Um, and how could I like fuel that more and create a program that would encourage and invigorate that? Um, still thinking of you know ways that, again, digital commerce can really amplify activities on social. Um, and then you start to augment what you spend in, in media um, because, again, it's not dollars necessarily just dollars out. Uh, you do create somewhat of a ROAS effect in that. And the last one I'll ask you about is cable networks. You know what? I think there's a lot of great things we learn from cable networks. Um, and one thing I remember is the infomercial. Infomercial is still a powerful vehicle. And I think social digital um, has sort of like maybe muddied the waters a little bit. Uh, but, I, yeah, I remember those Bowflex commercials. It used to last <laughs> yeah. 30 minutes. Yeah. After about 15 minutes, you're really thinking about getting one. <laughs> thinking about, you know, again, it's only 30 bucks a month. Right. right? So uh, that type of ability and to, to inundate and really own, uh, you know, the ability to drive a message around a product, product awareness. You know, I, I see cable still as a powerful aspect. But again, if you 
bridge and merge that with digital, it, it creates more of an interactive, uh, you know, aspect to it that I think, you know, can, can lead to uh, more, more trackable results. Mm -hmm. That 1-800 number that's unique to that, that DMA that you're serving that, that, that creative to. Chad, you have been a fantastic, fantastic guest today. Um, this this was amazing. I, I just want to thank our guest Chad Israel today. Uh, Chad, what's next for you? What's on the horizon? Uh, throw out those Twitter handles and and those social handles. I'm pretty easy to find. Two countries, Chad Israel. Um, yeah, again, yeah, depending on the you know, the the negotiations between those two nations affect my my Google search. <laughs> So sometimes I do have my knowledge graph that comes up, but other times, you know, I get drowned out by, uh, you know, more important things. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm open. Um, really, I'm just uh, talking to a lot of different brands, a lot of different companies, doing a lot of uh, project work, doing a lot of consulting. Um, again, join. I uh, got two kids, a five-month-old and a three-month-old. Oh, I mean, you're uh, busy. <laughs> busy. busy. Uh, again, uh, adding to uh, some uh, – it was uh, – you know, looking still being in the political space uh, from a consultancy standpoint um, and again, just uh, open, loving to have conversations like this and having that ability to just you know spread the word and uh, can help marketers uh, market a little bit better. Awesome, man. So uh, I want to thank our video production company, Craft Creative, for helping uh, be a studio sponsor for this. And thank everybody for listening to the AdCast. And thank you for giving your most valuable asset, your time, for all those people who are listening. If you feel the podcast has been a great help to you and it can be a help to others, make sure you subscribe and also share it. Tell some folks about it. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere. So Chad, they can hear us anywhere in the world on iHeart, Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, anywhere. Um, anywhere they listen to your favorite podcasts. And they can also watch this on YouTube as well. Uh, to catch up on episodes, go to heyimeric.com or you can also text me at 843-483-1555. That's 843-483-1555. I'm an idiot for putting my number out there, aren't I? <laughs> You can always switch it. So that's, uh, that's There you go, Chad. I want to thank you so much. And this has been the AdCast. If you feel this podcast has been a help to you or could be a help to others, please don't forget to subscribe. You can listen to our podcast anywhere, iHeart, Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And this episode is also going to be available on YouTube. To catch up on past episodes, go to heyimeric.com, or you can always text me at 843-483-1555. This podcast is brought to you by VIP Marketing and Advertising. You don't need a marketing agency. You do deserve very important placement. VIP Marketing and Advertising is a cutting-edge strategic digital, creative, media, and marketing partner that provides services for businesses of all sizes. 